welcome to We Heard Wonders, the music podcast that's all killer, no filler. Yeah, it's a busy old week for the music industry this week, Andrew. Uh, lots really of big is. new releases, um, lots of old familiar faces and big names uh, coming back with new projects. Indeed, yeah, people are coming out of the trap in 2022. It's, it's got off to a really kind of riotous start, but yes. it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. So we, we've got a podcast this week that's absolutely bursting with exciting new music. Um, which we are going to be uh, discussing. Um, my name's Ian. I'm guitarist in Glasgow band uh, The Deadline Shakes, and you can find us on social media um, at Deadline Shakes everywhere. And my name is Andrew. I review music on Instagram at kidagh86. Yeah, it's the best the best follow you can do. Record record fans. Um, so how you been this week, Andrew? Yeah, man, I've been good. Good. Yeah, back to work after. All the, the festive shenanigans, but yeah, not too bad. Music's definitely keeping me going uh, yeah. this week. I'm the same. I'm the same. I've had a busy uh, back to work uh, week. So, um, if you listen, apart from these tracks here, if you listen to anything uh, anything notable, anything that jumps out, any classics or anything brand new. This this time of year does tend to be a period where you you do get a chance to kind of go back and listen to some stuff and pull some stuff out the racks and that kind of thing. So I've enjoyed yeah. doing that. I had some friends over the weekend actually, and they were just like playing me some weird shit. So I was just like pulling out different <laughs> things and yeah, got, digging into my the kind of you know, the, the Japanese jazz and things like that. But um, yeah, it was good fun. Oh well, I've been listening this week to um, a guitarist that I actually found on Instagram, um, and he is followed by he's followed on Instagram by a number of like amazing guitarists, um, including John Mayer and others. Um, so you kind of know that he has chops because other people who are good also think he's good. Um, he's called mm-hmm. Ariel Polson. You ever heard of him? I've not actually. No, You've not. No, he's not massive. No. I don't think. Um, but he is an, a seriously, seriously good guitar player. Uh, he plays um, blues and slide guitar um, and and rock a bit as well. And he just has a very, very like individual and unique uh, sound. Um, mm-hmm. so I'd recommend uh, if you get a minute this week, Andrew. That's someone you could, uh, someone you could investigate. Yeah, okay, I'll check that out. Yeah, that's, cool. a, that's a, a top, a top tip from me this week. No, um, excellent. But that's enough of that. Who are we actually talking about this week, Andrew? So this week we've got new, new music from a project called The Smile. This is going to we'll cross, 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 folks' bingo off quite early. <laughs> the Smile, isn't it? Anyway, it is. Yeah. So we got The Smile. We've got um, a new project called The Order of the Twelve. Father John Misty returns. We've got the much-touted new project from The Weekend, And we've got something new from an act called Black Flower as well. Yeah, and you're going to finish us off with a vinyl word this week? I am indeed, yeah. Excellent. I've got something that's kind of out of step this time of year, but I think that's much needed. Yeah, so, yeah uh, I'm looking forward to that one. It's a very cool one. Uh, spoilers, I've heard it already, and it's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I think uh, without further ado, we should probably just get straight into um, our first track today, which is um, "You Will Never Work in Television Again" by brand new band The Smile. Here we go.
So that was our first track for today. You will never work in television again. There's always podcasts, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's the, the kind of debut track, the first teaser track by a band called The Smile. So um, in Glastonbury uh, last summer, it was a remote Glastonbury because uh, of obviously everything that's happening. And there were two major talking points, I would say, from, from that festival. One was Damon Albarn's mullet. <laughs> I, don't ever, I don't know if you saw that. I believe pretty... he prefers to call it a moulet. <laughs> that, was, that was one talking point. And the other one was the surprise debut performance from The Smile. Yeah. Um, and um, The Smile are formed of Radiohead members. There you go, take it off your, your bingo card. Radiohead members, uh, Tom York and Johnny Greenwood. House. And... And Sons of Kermit drummer uh, Tom Skinner. So, so there, uh, and uh, Nigel Godrich, who's, who's obviously been radio his producer for many, many years now, he's kind of doing his sonic wizardry in the background as well. So that's who we're dealing with here. Yeah, quite, an, exi- new quite an exciting project, this one, I would say. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, it's got, it's got a kind of clattering energy to it, this track. Um, this project came out of the whole lockdown thing, and it was Johnny Greenwood just kind of really keen to to do something with Tom York, and um, this is kind of what they've they've come up with. And uh, the name of the project comes from a Ted Hughes poem. Yes. And uh, Tom York is gone on record as saying it's not. He said it's not the smile as in ah, it's the smile as in the guy who lies to you every fucking day. That's what he said. <laughs> So it's like that kind of like that kind of politician smile that you yep. get up like the kind of Michael Gove smile. Um so I think that kind of tells us something about the, the kind of the energy that, that's kind of fueling this. Um and yeah, I think it's I think it's a cool track. What do you what do you think of it? Well it's, it's a track. I uh, we, we we both have established uh love of Radiohead uh, on this podcast multiple times. Um so when I hear about Radiohead side projects, I sometimes having having then listened to them feel excited by them. Um, so like I think about John, some of Johnny Greenwood's soundtrack work, which is just like incredible, um, yeah. uh, in lots of different places. And then I think about um, some of Tom York's either solo stuff or the the other band he was in, whose name temporarily escapes me, but maybe you'll cover for me here. Uh, Atoms for Peace. Atoms for Peace. Yeah, I knew I knew you would know that. Um, and I, I like Tom York's album, The Eraser, um, has to my to my ear any like one or one or two good tracks on it, um, and it feels a wee bit like he on his own is inclined to kind of disappear into the more uh, complex or difficult parts of Radiohead's back catalogue. You know, the more obscure electronic mm-hmm. stuff, not not as tuneful perhaps as some of the best bits of uh, Radiohead's work. Um, yeah. So. 10 or 15 seconds into listening to this track for the first time, I was like really relieved that it was a rock song <laughs> um, and that it was yeah. nice and nice and kind of yeah, easy to follow, you know, understandable at a first listen um, and I really liked it. It's got a, it's got a dose of um, surreal in the lyrics um, as well as kind of 
the comedic stuff. Um, mm -hmm. There's a reference to, well, there's the phrase bunga bunga in there. I don't know if you, <laughs> don't know if you got bunga bunga. Um, but I had to Google bunga bunga. It's a kind of like an old fashioned sort of uh, phrase, isn't it really, from like a decade ago. Um, related to Silvio Ber Berlusconi. That's very Tom York to oh, really? a yeah, bizarre yeah. political reference like that in there. Um, uh, yeah, so Aye, there's, there's, there's stuff about kind of like you know, he touches on like I remember around the, the kind of hail to the thief time he was talk he was talking a lot in kind of nursery rhymes and using fables and things like that. It was that that track uh, two plus two equals five that was talking about chicken licking and you know go tell the the king that the sky is falling in when it's not. And um, there's a little bit of that here. He's talking about some gangster troll under the bridge promising the moon. Um, so he, he, he does like these kinds of, you know, the kind of chopped up phrases and these kind of images taken from kind of fairy tales and things like that. Yeah, I, um, I like the way that the, these lyrics are written because they feel like they're, they're working towards something. They feel like they're telling some kind of story yeah. or there's some kind of reference, but it's never clear enough to actually say, oh, it's... It's this or it's that. Um, it just kind of leaves you to sort of work it out for yourself. Um, but it's a it's a brief, angry little burst of a song, uh, clattering drums. Um, yeah. Trademark uh, Greenwood guitars on here as well, um, sort of whooping and swooning around the place as they often do. Um, and uh, a, a very enjoyable song. Not one I would say that is going to change the world necessarily, but I don't think that's what side projects are really there for, is it? Um, no. But uh, but but good anyway. So is this the only track that's been released so far, or is there more? Uh, no, this is the this is the other one that's been this, the studio version has been released. They obviously did do the that that glass be live set uh, that I mentioned, yes, and I do believe that there's an album that, that they've finished. I think they're maybe just still working on just you know the kind of set list and, and track list and just working out where the tracks are going to go. But yeah, this is the first um, kind of first fruits of it, if you like. One of, one of the main things that made me think of, I remember back in the day when I was first getting into Radiohead and I was just kind of absorbing everything, all, all their kind of influences that they, were, that they would ever mention. And one of their main kind of formative ones was the Pixies. Yeah. And I think I think this has got a real kind. Of, I think it's like they've kind of almost kind of gone back to that. They've kind of gone back to move forward kind of thing. And yeah, I can I get a really big Pixies feel with just the way that he kind of delivers some of his, his some of the lines is very kind of Black Francis. Yeah, I um, think as well. He's, and that kind um, of surrealism coming through. Almost more almost breeders as well. If you're making a Pixies reference, a bit of a yeah. breeders sort of influence here in terms of no, the yeah, definitely I can see that. Um, mm -hmm, the the. Uh, yeah, so it's it's, a, it's I think Tom sings on this with the sort of power and punch um, that you know you might associate with the sort of Benz era uh, Radiohead. Mm -hmm. um, he's still whooping and, and and going, even though that was I don't even know when that was at ninety five or something. So that's a good I don't even how long ago was that two thousand five two thousand fifteen. It's like thirty <laughs> nearly thirty years ago. So um, his his voice is still as as powerful and potent as it ever was. I think, yeah. and you can tell that from this track. So and the, the contempt in the bile comes through. He's, that, you know, that that I guess that phrase. You know, you'll never work in TV again. It's that's kind of like modern day media, like the TV executive that's going to ruin your career, kind of thing. So yeah. he's kind of got contempt for these people again. That's kind of contempt for people in power, I guess. Harvey Weinstein. You know that kind of th mm, that kind of person. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe I don't thought about that. Um, cool. So yeah, a really interesting song. Definitely one everyone should be uh, should be listening to. Um, yeah, definitely. So so yeah, I wonder if they'll 
tour this, or if that's even possible at the moment. And if that's any plans for that in the um, since the Glassbury thing, they've been doing like kind of Instagram live type things, like we we performances and it looks like a week in a basement. Yeah. So I can really do more of that. And I'm sure they probably will too eventually. Yeah. Um I was talking to one of my friends about this, uh, Stephen, who, who who does the whole Radiohead Blingo thing. I was yes. talking to him about this track. And he put him in the direction of a track that I'd totally missed that came out towards the end of last year. And it was the first uh, offering by Noah York. So right. that's uh, Tom, Tom York's son. All right. Um, and it's actually a, a cool wee track. I'd recommend people go and check it out if they haven't already. It's called Trying Too Hard Lullaby. And you can you can really hear uh, Tom York in it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty little track. So I'd cool. recommend that. And that's that's just okay. seems like he's got a bit of a one-off there. Is there is there more? Is it an EP? Um, it's just just one track that's came out so far. Uh, but I'd, I imagine there'll be more. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. I'll definitely give that a listen. That sounds cool. Yeah, it it, it makes you feel old though, because I remember um, you know it was, that's a track "Sail to the Moon" from "Hail to the Thief," and it's yeah. you know we'll, we'll, we'll build an ark and sail to the moon. That was all about that was all about Noah when he was born. You know, and now he's now he's making music. So <laughs> but, uh. Now there he is in his Spotify profile picture, looking old. Exactly, it's yeah. practically yeah. some of these grandpas. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, I, I strongly recommend. I think from both of us on the smiles, um, you'll never work in television again. Okay, so that brings us neatly on to our uh, second track for today, um, by the Order of the Twelve. Um, so this is Against the Tide, am I right? That's correct. Okay, uh, now for something completely different. Here we go. Time. 
So that is the um, Order of the Twelve uh, with their track Against the Tide. Um, now this is an act uh, that I had um, little uh, little knowledge of. So um, when I heard this uh, song when Andrew sent it over at first, I thought, right, I'm gonna have to gonna have to like look them up. So I looked them up on um, on their Bandcamp, um, and they have a really kind of like authentic, folky, earthy image they're putting across um mm -hmm. with like pentangles and trees and and all that kind of thing um and uh yeah the whole thing just feels like very very authentically folky to me um the the musical touch points that i would have for this um are probably not very clever um but i did i did find myself thinking about led zeppelin a little bit when i was listening to this um and also <laughs> at the weekend I did watch a bit of The Hobbit and it made me think of The Hobbit a little bit as well. Um, I hope that's not <laughs> offensive. I hope that's not offensive to them, but it really did. Um, so yeah, a really interesting song. And I think my favourite part of this song um, is the really, really, you know, kind of fairly over the top and obvious stereo mix um, that's going on where it kind of, you know, the guitar part like wobbles from left ear to right ear and backwards yeah. and forwards quite significantly. Um, which is quite unsettling because none of the rest of the track really does that and it's quite quick, it pans left and right really, really quickly. Um, so yeah, a, a really interesting, uh, a really interesting um, you know, Marmite type production moment there but I think I think they've got away with it and I think it works really well. Um, it's really kind of gives you a sort of almost spooky kind of vibe to the track, um, mm -hmm. almost sort of ethereal kind of there's a lot of backwards guitar as well going on. So there's, there's lots of nice little production touches, I think, throughout the track. Yeah. Backwards guitar is something which I think is a wee bit out of vogue in a way. Um, it is, yeah. Because it's such a sort of like, um, in a way, kind of rudimentary uh, technique. Um, because, you know, when people were first using two and four and eight track recorders back in the 60s and 70s, um, it was quite easy to play something in reverse because you just turned the tape over, basically. Um, so with digital production, you, you can do so much um, that, yeah. that, you know, reverse stuff is a, is in some regards a little bit passy. But for, I think for this particular piece of music, it you know, it sort of fits with the with the vibe and the aura kind of thing. And it, again, it brings me back to the point of it being a little unsettling, um, and, you know, a little odd. No, totally, yeah. Totally, yeah. So, so as you say, when it is kind of so rudimentary, when they do use it, they're using it for a reason, and they're trying to like evoke, you know, that kind of unsettling feeling, but also that that particular period, that kind of late sixties, early seventies, 
um, English folk. So this is a new project from Richard Norris, who, according to Electronic Sound uh, magazine, is the electronic musician's electronic musician. Um, so he's he's like a really interesting uh, guy. He's been in a lot of kind of different projects. He was in a project called The Grid, and he's probably best known as one half of Beyond the Wizard's Sleeve. Um, who, <laughs> wow. Who, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those names that they probably, you know, they think it's funny when they're having a, a smoke or whatever, and then yeah. they, they realise that they're kind of stuck with it. But they, they, they are a really cool um, duo. They've done a lot of kind of excellent cosmic remixes and reimaginings of people's work. And uh, they, they had an album out in 2016, which was a really kind of cool psychedelic pop record. Um, it had uh, guest features from show favourites, Jane Weaver and Hannah Peel. Yep. They, were, they were both on it, uh, among other people. And uh, more recently, he's been doing a lot of kind of electronic synth-based work um, under his own name. Um, so, so yeah, he's just one of these guys that just has really, really cool taste and he has a real kind of understanding of like genre conventions and that kind of thing. So even though this is not electronic based at all, he's, he's kind of turning his hand to this, you know, this kind of acid folk uh, period and he just knows all the kind of, yeah, all the kind of notes to hit, if you like, and he knows all those kind of uh, touches to, to, to add to the music. So he's got, yeah. he's got the... He's got the backwards guitar. He's got that that panning uh, solo, as you say, and those gorgeous vocals. Um, yeah, big well. shout out to the to the vocals. They are they are lovely. Yeah. They are lovely. Yeah. So she's called Rachel Thomas. Who's somebody I've not heard of before. Uh, but yeah, really lovely voice. Um, put me in mind of this. There's there's been three tracks so far from the the forthcoming album, and uh, variously. They put me in mind of somebody like Sinead O'Connor uh, when oh, she's yeah. doing okay. some of our more kind of uh, folky stuff. Uh, Linda Perhax, who's who's a, a folk singer from that kind of early 70s uh, period that I love. And uh, also Beth Gibbons as well from Portishead. She did a collaborative album with somebody called Rustin Man yep. um, about 15 years ago called Out of Season, which is a gorgeous uh, pastoral record. So it kind of put me in mind of that as well. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I just think this is a really cool project, and as you say, it does it does feel authentic, um, even though it is kind of you know looking back. Um, so they've they've formed in a place called Lewes in Sussex, and yeah. it's described in the in the notes as a place of rolling hills, druids, and sorcery. So I guess you're not too too far from Hobbiton there, I guess. Yeah, well, I saw I saw. Um, I think we were looking at the same the same source online because later yeah, on in yeah. the notes they they are compared to um, the uh, Sandy Denny Trees Mellow Candle. None of whom I have actually ever heard of. I'm sure you've heard of those. Um, then it yeah. says the Psych Folk soundtrack from the Wicker Man onwards. Um, is as a touch point or a reference point for this uh, for this band, and we didn't went we didn't mention Wicker Man yet, um, but I guess that's that is quite a, a yeah. prominent sort of feature here. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Here's a question but, for yeah, you. Right? I'm a for that, me too. Me too. Actually, that's what the question I was about to ask is about, and you don't have to have an answer to this because I don't know if anyone does. But why do people love the Wicker Man soundtrack so much? I am one of them, but it's got a really odd kind of uh, appeal. It's got a really odd hold on everyone. I mean, I, I guess partly it's nostalgia for the film, um, but other than that, I don't really know why why people love it so much. I mean, it's kind of crashingly untrendy, really. Um, 
you know, sort of English and, and Scottish folk. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts? Mm. It's, it's probably tapping into something that's quite kind of primal and primary, I guess. That kind of, is, it kind of evokes your childhood in some way. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, a lot of it is kind of based on kind of nursery rhymes and chants and that kind of thing. And, I don't know. I, th- I think I think for me, a lot of it is all kind of wrapped up with the visuals of the film as well. Yeah, um, it's just something really kind of intoxicating about the whole the whole thing. I mean, but, it would, um, I would yeah. I would be remiss to not say that you know, like you know, it's something to do with the pagan aspect of it as well, which is, mm-hmm. is becoming more and more part of you know Western culture. Um, you know, as, as Western culture moves further and further away from. The sacred and the holy and religion on the whole, not everyone obviously, but on the whole, um, something like that is revered as a kind of example of pagan culture. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't want to go too highbrow here, but I did read something in the New York Times this weekend about the return of paganism. So it just made All me right. think. It just made, it was just making me think about the Wicker Man. Um, go on. Well, that basically that, that I've basically said that you know that they're detecting culturally a kind of reducing of religious principles and a return to more pagan ideals and, and, you know, in terms of like sexuality and um, in a a number of other ways as well, Um, a Mm -hmm. return to green issues and all that kind of thing. So that was quite an interesting article. So this, this track, um, I didn't think about it when I was listening to the track, but ultimately that's, it's, it's drawn me to this thought process. So no, I like it. Very cool. Yep. And the album is out, I think it's out digitally at the beginning of February. It's one of those ones that's caught up in the whole kind of vinyl backlog. So I think if you're wanting the vinyl, you'll need to wait till April, um, which, you know, kind of breaks my heart a little bit. But um, but yes, but if you want to hear it in full, it'll be out at the beginning of February. Out very soon. I think it'll be a really cool record. Cool. Well, I enjoyed that one, Andrew. So that's going to take us on to... Um, uh, our next track. I think I actually recommended this one to you before I'd heard it. I just saw that it was in the, the music press. Um, and we are going to listen to uh, Father John Misty um, with his new track, Funny Girl. Here we go. Funny girl You look so unassuming Right up into The room you're captivating Starts to fill With gut-busting laughter You're transformed into a five-foot Cleopatra Funny girl Your schedule's pretty crazy Doing interviews For the new live action Kathy Could you pencil in An industry outsider Yeah, you're young But baby, you're not getting young 
So that was Father John Misty and his comeback track, Funny Girl. Yeah, so Father John Misty is the moniker of Josh Tillman. And you know, last week we were talking about uh, Bowie and how he loved the persona. Yes. And he felt that he could kind of, you know, he could actually talk about himself through his persona in a way that he couldn't as David Jones, you know, when he was making those initial records um, under his own name. And um, yeah, I think that this Father John Misty moniker is, is really interesting. And it's, 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 it's one that I've kind of wrestled with over the years. At times, I've absolutely adored the stuff that he's put out. Um, for example, when his, his second album came out, I Love You, Honey Bear, he's probably my, my favourite artist around that time. I just absolutely, you know, I was just totally wrapped up wow. in, in it and... Um, me and my my then girlfriend now wife we went to uh, Berlin uh, and, and, and saw him perform there and it was just absolutely incredible um, and I just just yeah I was just kind of totally wrapped up in the it was what Fabio Jamasu called it, authentically fakeness of it, of his live performance you know this kind of like just flailing around, flailing the mic cords and swiveling his hips. He's so charismatic, these dramatic yeah. knee drops and everything like that. It's just pure entertainment kind of thing. And just he had like the the songs and the talent to back it up. And whether he's been silly, whether he's been sincere, whether he's been soppy, whether he's been sarcastic, whether he's been self-aggrandizing or self-lacerating, you know, he, he was just kind of going from these kind of... Um, 
you know, just these, these major contradictions that he would just kind of jump from, but he just did it with like so much grace and just just uh, so, so much charm as well. I just I thought he was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, but then there's a book coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but uh, then for the, for the next record, um, I was actually writing for a website at the time, and uh, they asked me to to write about the follow up record, uh, pure comedy, and. As part of that, I had to listen to this album over and over and over again. And I don't know if I don't know if you ever listen, I don't know if you're familiar with the record, but it's like 74 minutes long. Yeah, I'm familiar and with it's, it. Yeah. And it's a difficult one. I'm, I'm actually really quite proud of the piece that I wrote on it because I was I was trying I was trying to kind of weigh it up and I was you know, I don't I was I wasn't enjoying it necessarily, but I could totally see all the kind of merit in it as well. Um, I think it was about fifteen hundred words that ended up writing on this this thing. <laughs> uh, but as, as, as part of that, I just it, it just kind of wore me down because yeah. it's it's kind of like it's like aggressively one paced and doom laden and pessimistic. Um, and yeah, I, I found it really quite difficult to to write about and to listen to. And around that time as well, I remember seeing them. Uh, perform as part of the, the Six Music Festival. Yeah. And it was just him with a guitar. And it was one of the most self indulgent things that I've ever seen. It was just. I don't know if this is and, a controversial that's, point that's, to me. That's, it's kind of part. I know that's kind of part of his shtick. I, I realize that. But honestly, it was, it was dire. Uh, well, I don't know if this is a controversial statement to make, but I kind of find any gig where it's one person plus a guitar. Uh, singing introspectively about themselves, it takes something very special for me to think that that is not awful. Like I really, 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 generally hate that. Um, yeah, I, I just find it kind of awkward in a way. You know, if you're in the audience and the, you know, especially if it's um, someone who's got no, you know, someone whose music you don't know in advance. You know, if you're just in a in a, in a club in Glasgow and there's 14 people in the crowd and this person's singing about. You know the deepest heartbreaks. I just find it really, really awkward and weird. Um, so, I, I, yeah. I know, I do know what you mean. It's not really my thing, but I mean, bearing in mind this was somebody that I was, you know, I loved at the time, you know, yeah. and he, he started this fifteen-minute track called "Leaving LA," and oh, it was just interminable. It was like it was never going to end. Yeah, never-ending um, journey. And it's, yeah, and it, it, that track had, you know, it had some references to it. I think it talks about being a 10-verse chorusless diatribe. <laughs> um, and there's a line, this new shit really kind of makes me want to die. And uh, just because you're, you're, you're kind of self-aware enough to like put those lines in doesn't mean make it any less true, you know? Yeah. It was just, it was just, it was painful. So, um, so that kind of made me do a kind of whole 180 on him, really. Um, and he was doing some weird kind of interviews and promo around that time as well. I think he was getting too kind of wrapped up in this idea of a character. Yeah. And I think he was maybe just a little bit kind of worn out as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I really kind of soured on him. Um, and then he had an album out about a year just after that uh, that I didn't really pay much attention to just because I was just, yeah, I was just kind of tired of it. Uh, but having said that, you know, time is a, time is a healer. Yes. And... Um, <laughs> Now that, now that he's been away for a few years, I'm actually quite excited to, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm ready to kind of hear what he's got coming sounds, up next. So. It sounds like you're ready to be hurt again, <laughs> Andrew. That's what it sounds like. Right. <laughs> um, well, 
Go on, I feel like I've talked enough there. But yeah, before I kind of talk about what I feel about this track, I'd be interested to hear about you. Well, I, what, I what's your kind of his, what's your history with them? What's my history? Well, I, fortunately, I've never been in it as deep a and and long term a relationship as with Father Misty. Clearly, but I, to me, he's just one of those artists that um, I well listen to a bit of occasionally, but never really for any length of time. So I don't have a really strong connection with him. Although I would generally say I like his music to me he's mm-hmm. sort of he came out in my uh, you know I, I became aware of him at the time at the same time as Bon Iver and Iron and Wine um, and even Suf Jan Stevens so to me he sort of feels like one of those like sort of solo male artist um, who doesn't just who isn't just you know playing acoustic guitar and singing has a band around him and, and does various things in the style of Bright Eyes a little bit I guess as well um, but uh, so when I saw that he was bringing out new music, I had sort of preconceived notions of what it was going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not this. It absolutely was not this. Um, yeah. And I just thought that, that this sounds to me like a kind of, like a show tune in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And it's got sort of almost like, you know, Rat Pack type vibes to it in a way. Um, and, you know, there's a, a Hollywood musical Um that's got Barbara Streisand in it called um, Funny Girl. Um, yeah. And I think this is a kind of a, a reference. The title to this is a reference to that. Um, there's also a kind of latent almost sexism or, or something going on in the lyrics of this song as well, um, which, again, I presume is part of the persona, moniker type thing that he's got going on. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah, just a really interesting. It's got a kind of. Gla- it's overall, it feels very glamorous. This track. Um, yeah, the but, production's uh, really well thought on it. What wonderful, yeah, and some really interesting chord pattern, uh, chord chord progressions, not chord patterns, chord progressions, and so on. Um, in this, but I've got a butt coming as well. Um, so remember when we were uh, we were talking about Silk Sonic. Um, a few weeks ago, I think that was was that in the the, the top albums of the year podcast, one of those ones. Uh, it no, it was no, it was before then. No, it wasn't. Was anyway, I kind of felt like maybe I was being a bit po faced, but I was sort of feeling like these guys are both very talented, but this isn't anything really new. It's just mm-hmm. sort of they're, they're just kind of leaning right into their own tastes and their own influences and what they really like. Um, and, and so the, the, they've come together to collaborate on a new, new piece of music, but they've not really done anything new or un, unheard of before. Um, not that all mm-hmm. music has to be obsessed with being new all the time, but just it did feel a bit sort of the sum of its parts. And something about this feels a little hollow to me, a little empty. I couldn't really make an emotional connection with it. I could make a really strong brain connection with it and ear connection with it because I was kind of like this sounds good like this produced well this is quite interesting but I just couldn't I couldn't love it Andrew mm. couldn't love it. no I, I could understand that I think that is something that, that that does happen with his stuff sometimes there's there's layer upon layer of persona and there's I, irony and contradiction and sometimes it's, it's difficult to kind of peel it all away and try and like you know actually see if there's anything going on underneath. Um, I, I think you, you talk about the whole kind of sexism thing. I think what, one of the things that he does with this persona is that he kind of flits from you know, the, the kind of person that he's talking about in this this song. I'd, I'd be interested to know if it's kind of based on somebody from real life. So it's obviously like 
you know, some kind of celebrity or entertainer, some stand-up comedian that he's kind of that he's kind of intrigued by, or you know, he kind of goes from being kind of besotted with her to then and really kind of smitten with her to then being quite insulting, kind of yeah, insulting and. So there's the um, line, there's the line, uh, uh, yeah, you're young, but baby, you're not getting younger. Yeah. Um, and that that plays into the whole obsession with male, you know, interest in, in female age and female beauty and all that sort of thing, which I guess mm-hmm. you would probably class as sexism. Um, but then, as you said, there's also the counterpoint lyric um, uh, from earlier in the song where it says, you knocked me out when you charmed the pants off Letterman. Um, so as you said, maybe it's, that's a, a reference to maybe it's a, a Hollywood person or a, a celebrity or something, and that sounds yeah. so glamorous and interesting. Um, so yeah, I don't. I, but I, I, I don't know if it's like it's kind of that kind of idea that you know I want you, but I can't have you, so therefore I hate you. I hate yeah. you. You know, yeah. yeah, it's that kind of thing. And uh, it, it, it's something quite self-aware about it as well. I think there's, there's a line about how we, there's not room enough for both of them on the same stage or something like that. You know, so I think he kind of recognises that he has a, a show off, and he likes to think of himself as kind of kind of like a funny guy as well. So it's there's kind of there's kind of when he's when he's being misogynist, it's because it's because because he's kind of wounding his ego. I think, I think there's a lot of that kind of going on. Yeah, um, and he's obviously with a kind of funny girl title as well as that kind of idea of humorous, but it's also that idea of being odd or peculiar. Yeah, uh, that's kind of been talked about. So there's, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in this track, and I think that is something that maybe takes it beyond, you know, pastiche. That to me, there's, there's something very kind of postmodern about his writing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's which, that's, which is interesting and intriguing, but something's frustrating as well. Yeah, that's that's. I guess that's one way of looking at it. The opposite way of looking at it would be perhaps that in the the style of Alfred Hitchcock, you know, with his MacGuffins and his movies, the thing that everyone's trying to like get to. This track is a bit like a bit of a MacGuffin, really, because it's it's all mm-hmm. you know, it's all behind veils. I don't really know like is this like who is this? Who who are we talking about? And who who is the speaker? Who are the you know, is it his persona? Is this really him? Um to what extent can we even really bring about a persona? You know, there must be some element of of himself in this um because mm-hmm. it comes from his imagination um we're getting pretty deep there um but like uh yeah so a, a, an interesting one this one but not one I, not one i've fallen in love with this week yeah i, I think we'll have to see where it sits, sits in terms of the album as well yeah um, so it'd be interesting to know if the whole album is going to be in this style or if it's just this track if there is more of a kind of narrative that goes through the album um but but it, it sounds gorgeous. I mean, shout out to Drew Erickson, um, who was the guy that he did the string arrangements for the Wise Blood album, the mm-hmm. last one, Titanic Rising, and also the last Lana Del Rey one as well, Blue Bannisters. Yeah, that's that's his string arrangements in that. So it does sound gorgeous. And there's a, there's a few kind of string stabs that have got kind of like a bar- baroque kind of feel to them that I think kind of takes it away from that kind of old Hollywood. Era as well, it's that's something that you wouldn't get in, in a lot of those tracks. So yeah, yeah, I, 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 there are some some really nice uh, things going on in the production, and I would be intrigued to to hear the whole album. Yeah, why not? I mean, I would listen. I would listen to more of the record. I just uh, I don't know what I think about it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think okay. that's fair. 
Yeah. Okay. So on to another kind of enigmatic solo male artist, but in a in a in a very different genre, of course. Um, locally here in my household, we we don't call them the weekend. We call them the week weekend, because of course there's no <laughs> there's no third e, so it's just the weekend. Um, yeah. So we're listening to uh, "Sacrifice" by the Weekend. You are now listening to 103.5 Dawn FM. You've been in the dark for way too long. It's time to walk into the light and accept your fate with open arms. Scared? Don't worry. We'll be there to hold your hand and guide you through this painless transition. But what's the rush? Just relax and enjoy another hour of commercial-free music on 103.5 Dawn FM. Stay tuned.
Okay, guys, so that is um, Sacrifice um, by The Weeknd. Um, and that is taken from The Weeknd's um, new album, which just released on Friday of last week, I believe. It's called Dawn FM. Um, and it has been so far just gushed over by every music reviewer on the internet everyone that you can you can you can possibly find um are all saying it's it's great a work of a work of genius in its particular genre um i saw um the the hip-hop producer timberland comparing this album to thriller by michael jackson uh, high praise indeed from 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 someone mm-hmm. himself who's who's a, a, an amazing producer um he just says he feels like it's gone to the like the weekend has moved to the next level. Um, mm-hmm. So the weekend is uh, is the pseudonym of um, Abel Maconan Tisfaye. I think I've got his name right there. Um, who has been in in and around the music scene since for about a decade now. Yeah. So I first became aware of the the weekend in um, about two thousand and fourteen when I heard his record uh, Kissland. Um, and I thought the production was like very seductive and sultry. And um, he had a very, very smooth voice, uh, often with with um, you know effects on it over the top, um, and almost like very openly sexual lyrics. Quite a lot of the time, um, you know, very explicit at times. Uh, I, I'm no prude, you know, but <laughs> even for me, it was like, wow, that is. <laughs> <laughs> we really are uh, not cutting to the chase here. That is that is um, some pretty uh, some pretty explicit stuff. Um, but at the same time, there was <laughs> there was some, there was some kind of um, there's something just groovy and enigmatic about it. Um, and then after that, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to him. I thought he took a big turn um, into into more kind of straightforward uh, pop music um, with things like Starboy. Um, and mm-hmm. I can't feel my face, uh, and things like the hills as well, which were, were really big pop songs. Um, but there was there was always something interesting about them, and I think that that track that I was just talking about there, the hills a moment ago, something very kind of um, not pop music about that. Something quite experimental about it, but it is a huge mm-hmm. pop song. Um, so yeah, he's gone on then then after there to make even even bigger uh, and, and more kind of. Uh, popular music than that, um, and then he's he's just back with us with this album Dawn FM. So I've not said anything about this track yet, Andrew. I'll leave that to you. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's I, I think it's one of many big tunes on the record. I mean, like that that th- this album is packed with absolutely killer tunes. I must say, um, and maybe that's like one of the things that Tim Bland's thinking of when he's comparing it to Thriller. You know, it's just just packed with these um, undeniable songs and amazing collaborators as well. That was one of the, f- the first things that kind of drew me to the project. Because I'm a bit similar to you. I'd kind of drifted away from them and I kind of dismissed them as being kind of part of that kind of homogenous chart topping sound that's kind of uh, stuff that's been going on. The um, stuff that lost us the quiz, you mean? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Even though I know that he's kind of you know, driving forward a lot of that, and he is probably one of the best, the better acts doing that. I, I did feel that he was just kind of losing his identity a little bit in, in some of those uh, albums that you were talking about there. But I mean, yeah, I, I was really intrigued with just seeing the list of collaborators on this one. So you've got Jim Carrey, who I believe is his next door neighbour these days. 
Of course. Uh, Quincy Jones, uh, one of Tricks Point Never, uh, Swedish House Mafia, Tyler the Creator, Little Wayne. Um, and yeah, just a lot of kind of really intriguing samples, especially from like 80s. Um, you know, eight, big eighties pop tracks. There's a, a, there's one that there's one called Out of Time that that samples a track from um, a Japanese, um, you know, really kind of hip Japanese record. Um, that's really cool. Um, so yeah, we're just r- really kind of intriguing. Just kind of seeing all that kind of, those kind of, those kind of credits there and and listening to the, the record. The most the album, I must say, I'm quite impressed with it. Uh, lots of really really cool tracks on it. Um, I picked this one mainly because I think it's nice to have one of the kind of upbeat tracks uh, from the record. There's a, there's lots of really cool ballads. One of the, one of the most kind of intriguing things that I found from it was um, there's a track called "Here We Go Again," and it's got uh, backing vocals from Bruce Johnson uh, from the Beach Boys, seventy uh, nine year old Bruce Johnson. And uh, I was reading an interview with him, and he was saying that. Um, he was introduced to the weekend by Skrillex. Of course, <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. Because he'd be he'd be like laying down tracks with Skrillex and uh, Post Malone's producer, and they'd pass on. Johnson had to, yeah. Oh my god! And they they'd be laying they uh, passed this track on this backing track on to the weekend, and they they formed the kind of backing track out of it. Just, imagine if imagine so, if so Skrillex. Imagine if Skrillex uh, remixed "Wouldn't It Be Nice" by the Beach Boys. Imagine what that would sound like. <laughs> Enormous drops yeah. in between it. Um, yeah, well, I actually really, really like this song. I have to say, mm-hmm. um, and it, it makes me want to go and listen to the whole album, which I haven't had the chance to yet. It gave me very, very strong Michael Jackson um, yeah. vibes, and uh, obviously, it, we 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 on the podcast do try and separate art and artist uh, a little bit so don't want to talk about michael jackson very much but um this does sound like michael jackson in a positive way um i like the um i like the lyrics as well actually um and i, I like the the idea of him sort of not kind of committing to a relationship not becoming obsessed with it just i'm moving on um i don't want to make a sacrifice i want to move on kind of thing um just mm-hmm. quite an interesting point of view to write a, a love song from essentially i guess um and uh, the weekend, as I said earlier on, almost kind of, you know, one note sexuality from when he was from when he was younger is is, is sort of matured and grown up a little bit, um, which mm-hmm. is quite interesting to hear. Um, and I just thought that the opening bars have a kind of Daft Punk almost like early Daft Punk vibe to them with the sort of synth uh, bounciness. Definitely, yeah. I, I think I was going to say that I'm going to make a huge I'm going to make a huge reference leap here if you if you stick with me right now obviously uh the weekend is, is working as you've said already with a, an, an amazing group of collaborators and musicians right um but you know paul mccartney says the old the old famous paul mccartney quote um you know a good artist borrows but a, a genius steals um the sort of the classic and, and maca himself has done that you know on multiple occasions you listen to something by paul mccartney and then you think oh is that is that you know people have always said like yesterday is like something that you know his dad used to play a jazz standard and he's just kind of modified it a little bit i think there's something mccartney-esque in the way that he's taking 80s pop music and mm-hmm. 90s pop music and really clearly referencing it but at the same time making it sound really really modern 
and it, it's quite, it, I would it's almost like the Stranger Things approach to doing things where you it's mm-hmm. a love letter to the past, but it's also something which is you know produced in a very very modern way. I mean, Stranger Things isn't all just Dungeons and Dragons and references to the past Ghostbusters and so on. I mean, it's a Netflix show, uh, you know, an episodic Netflix show, which is ultra modern. And that's what I think about when I think this song. I think about this song, Sacrifice. It sounds like Michael Jackson. It sounds like music from the eighties. Um, you know, really slick R and B type things. But it's also for the download generation, and it's going to be massively popular now, um, mm-hmm. which is quite an interesting kind of, um, you know. What's the word I'm looking for here? Dichotomy, I guess. It's, it's quite an interesting piece of work, I think. So um, I'm back les- listening to The weekend again, is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. After a period of time off it. Yeah, well, I- I'm back listening to them for the first time since that initial trilogy of mixtapes, you know, back in 2011 or whenever it was. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm yeah, really enjoying this record. Okay, Abel, you get the pass from the We Heard Wonders crew, so... Um, that's probably what he was waiting for, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, so that takes us to our final new track.
from a bed of moss and leaves, cradled by giant vines, blanket of soft, wild, unknown weeds. Could it ever be explained, now staring up through branches, to an invented, infinite blue? A blue that had never been seen before, constructed in a fever dream by reluctant gods. Invisible river, streams release, harmony, celestial machine, neutrons, atoms, cells, flesh, gears, electricity, and peace. So that was Black Flower um, with guest vocalist Meskin and Mees. And so, Andrew, this is probably not going to be artists that everyone's intimately familiar with. So uh, hopefully you can uh, uh, let shine light in a dark place for us. Yeah, no problem. So Black Flower are a five-piece from Belgium. And they are a very modern type of jazz group in that they're kind of pulling from lots of different areas. So there's a so kind of Ethiopian music in there. There's some progressive rock in there. Uh, there's jazz, there's funk. And I think it, it, it comes together. Uh, the first the first taster track uh, for this record, and it's actually the name of the album as well, is called Magma, um, which immediately put me in mind of the French progressive rock group called Magma. Uh, but also it kind of hints at the group's kind of fluid, molten approach to the genre. So they're kind of they're kind of moving, kind of seamlessly, uh, between genres in a really kind of cool way. Actually, the name um, of the, the the name of the track "Magma" put me in in mind of the Doctor Evil character from um, from Austin Powers. <laughs> Magma, Magma. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm so sorry. That's okay. It had to be done, I suppose. Uh, so it's led by a guy called Nathan Dimes, who's the saxophonist and the flautist in the group. And uh, 
he's expressed an affinity in the past for music from East and West Africa, the Middle East, and he's a big fan of Ethiopia jazz, which is jazz from Ethiopia, as the name would suggest. Yeah. And he uses that as the kind of basis for, for the music that he's making. And he's assembled this group of kind of like-minded jazz musicians. And it's just, I think it's just a really cool project. So they've, they've, there's three tracks so far um, that, that they've kind of uh, released from Magma. Um, the other two are a little bit more kind of progressive and a little bit kind of funkier. This one is a lot more laid back and uh, restrained. Um, and it's the only one so far to, to feature vocals. So Mescal and Me, she's a kind of on-the-rise singer-songwriter. She had an album out towards the end of last year, which was a really, really nice, really soulful uh, record. And, um, yeah, I think this track has a, has a slightly different feel to the other tracks that they've had so far. You know, kind of following on from um, Sound Carriers last week, this is another flute-tastic track. There's a like flute all over it. <laughs> uh, there'll be effects and really kind of cool use of space, I think. It's got... It's, I get, it's, it's a kind of a track to get lost in, I think. I do enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well, um, which you might be surprised by because it's someone said jazz and I still quite liked it. Um, yeah. But I like the... Um, more and more over time, I'm starting to realise I really like African music more than, I, more than I thought I did. So I like the... I know they're not African, they're Belgian, but I like the Ethio... Mm -hmm. Uh, influence the sort of African influence to the to the rhythms and the um, mm -hmm. just the sort of shape of it overall. Um, I really liked the 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 vocalist. Um, I thought her, her her singing was like really really beautifully recorded, really clear, um, yeah. and and quite interesting. And I actually, um, I didn't realize when I was listening to the track that actually she was like a, a guest artist. I just thought I just thought that's who they were. Um, yeah. And I wonder if I would enjoy Black Flower as much as I did this track without uh, her vocals on top. Um, mm -hmm. It puts me in mind of it makes me think of all the kind of jazz things we've, we've reviewed over the over the last couple of months on the on the podcast. So I was thinking about uh, so we we talked about bad, bad, not good. So way back in episodes two, I think, um, and then we listened to Chelsea Carmichael as well. Um, mm -hmm. So they're they're totally different from each other totally opposed and then this is something else again um mm -hmm. so i guess it does just serve as a reminder that jazz is an incredibly flexible genre that can be stretched in you know basically any any way you can think of stretching it really um and i, I did enjoy yeah, this cool. andrew i did enjoy this one good yeah now i'm pleased do, do, do you feel like maybe that the, having a vocalist and having, having lyrics is a kind of way to kind of draw you in um yeah i think so i mean it, it does make it a whole lot more palatable really um mm -hmm. as a as a song um because it gives you something to hum along with and, and and think about um i think i'll i'll give i'll give the rest of this record a bit of, you know a listen um i'll give a bit of it a listen and see what i think but i mm -hmm. suspect i'll maybe not be as yeah maybe not just be quite as drawn to it um as i as i was to this this song but like okay. um this is one of the ones where i, I think I feel kind of happy that we do the podcast because I think I won't be the only person who listens to a podcast who's never heard of of Black Flower and um, who'll give this at least one or two or three Spotify plays per person and you know um hopefully they'll 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 benefit from that because it's a really interesting really interesting act 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and I've enjoyed reading about them this week as well. I don't have I don't have anything to add to what you said earlier on uh, biographically about them, but just I enjoyed enjoyed finding out about them. So um, hope that's not the kiss of death for his career that I liked them. I hope not. <laughs> um, yeah, no, not at all. Cool. So the album's out on the twenty eighth of January, so a few weeks time. Yes. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a really kind of interesting, diverse record. Cool. Well, that leads us fairly neatly on, I would say, to our um, vinyl word for this week, which you're going to um, which you're going to tell us about shortly. And I was just thinking, Andrew, um, that obviously you, well, we we have a good division of labour in the podcast, don't we? Because you. You, you, you're researching the music for us to listen to and, and, and all that sort of stuff, and I'm doing a bit more of the editing and stuff. We have a good a good split of how that works out. Um, mm-hmm. So I was just wanting to to know if if our listeners, you know, if they if they enjoy what they're hearing from us and, and they like it and they want to, you know, contribute to our ongoing kind of production costs and all that sort of stuff, um, they could buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash wonders. And if you think that Andrew's musical choices are, are really interesting and are, uh, even to go as far as saying enriching your life because they are enriching my life a little bit i would say um nice. then you know buy us a coffee please and, and help us keep going yeah yeah absolutely and by all means get in touch as well um we're really kind of interested to hear your feedback and hear, hear some of your kind of suggestions about um you know acts that would be like to be featured or genres that maybe we haven't uh, featured so far yeah. Maybe some countries that we haven't uh, journeyed to yet. Um, yeah, please get in touch. And that actually kind of leads us quite nicely on to the vinyl word, actually, because this vinyl word is inspired by um, a listener and a big supporter of the show getting in touch. Um, so he's somebody who I've never actually met in real life, but who I really enjoy you know, talking to on, on Instagram. Uh, Simon Dilly uh, is his name. Hi, Hi Simon. Simon. Yep. Um, and he... Uh, reached out to me a few weeks ago and he said could you play some reggae on the podcast um, something that we haven't done so far yeah. and I, I don't it's one of those ones where I'm not encyclopedic when it comes to reggae but I kind of know what I like and I do have you know quite a few records in my collection that, that would fall under that kind of bracket so so yes yeah, so I thought it'd be cool to pick a record in the middle of January <laughs> Yeah. That, 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 that kind of um, has that kind of joy de vivre and that, that sunshine about it that, that you that you typically get with reggae. So I thought that would be pretty cool yeah. to do that. So we've got um, Carol Thompson. I'm so sorry. Yes, uh, Carol Thompson. So um, she is probably the most um, revered artist um, who performs in the, the kind of style of reggae called Lovers Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, um, the Mo- Mojo magazine did a poll uh, to kind of find the greatest Lovers Rock albums of all time. And uh, this record, Hopelessly in Love, um, came up number one. And it received uh, a 40-year anniversary vinyl reissue uh, last year, which I picked up shamefully yeah so for those of you that don't know lovers rock is the kind of sophisticated soulful sensual branch of reggae that kind of grew out of the of the the rocksteady era in the 60s um uh, as the 60s became the 70s that kind of kind of the kind of sophisticated branch of it and it's kind of rooted in the sound systems of south london so it's a kind of very british sound in a lot of ways and a very kind of uh, female orientated 
the genre as well. It had a lot of females that were kind of fans of the music. They talked about kind of people's real lives and talked about relationships in a really kind of mature way. And it also made a lot of uh, you know female stars kind of came out of that genre as well. Uh, the kind of people like Janet Kay, who had a massive uh, hit with Silly Games, uh, Louisa Mark and Carol Thompson, who, as I say, was probably the most kind of uh, successful uh, artist that came out of that genre. And I just love this album, uh, Hopelessly in Love. It's just such a beautifully performed, produced example of the genre. And it's got a real kind of laid-back British cool about it. Even if you look at the, the front cover of the album, it's just her kind of like late, like kind of, uh, you know, kind of laying back on, on a car and she just looks effortlessly cool. Yeah. Um, and I think that was like something that would inspire uh, acts a kind of decade later, you know, looking at acts like Massive Attack and Saint, Saint Etienne. They, they were big fans of this this album. Um, so, yeah, I thought this would be a cool album to feature. Um, and yeah. Simon, I'll, I'll 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 try my best to, to look out for some new reggae for the pit podcast as well. I'm not, I'm not always the best at searching that out, but yeah, I'll try and make an effort this year. I'll make that my New Year's resolution. Fair enough. I was just reading <laughs> about about Carol on uh, on the internet there, and she's worked as a session singer um, for. Right, you ready to make a list here? Michael Jackson. Stevie Wonder, Natalie Cole, Pet Shop Boys, Robbie Williams, Boy George, Maxi Priest, Sting, Billy Ocean, Chaka Khan, Aswad, and M People. There you go. That's <laughs> big cat was there. That's yeah. not a bad list, is it? Um, yeah, I, 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 I hadn't heard this song before. I have heard of Carol Thompson. I hadn't heard this track before, and I think it's brilliant. So it's a, yeah. a, a great way to end this week's podcast. So um, I guess it's yep. just just up to us then to say thanks to everyone for listening. Um, and we shall be back next podcast week, same podcast time, to um, to review some new music, I think. Yes, indeed. Yep. And, and no doubt if it continues at this speed, there'll be plenty to talk about. So look forward to seeing you then. Cheers, guys. See you soon. Bye. Cheers. Bye. I actually said bye like I was hanging up on a phone call. <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs> I'm going to leave that in before we play Carol. <laughs> <laughs>
fort 